Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Sami Ibani Shmuel Ben Chana, who always exemplified warmth, generosity, and dedication to his family and friends, and was loved by all, dedicated by his family. Also dedicated for the speedy and complete Fuashima for Eliyahu Shimon Ben Lazal and for the continued health of Khanabat Simafega. The week of Cobra was sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity good today and every day. And as well, dedicated for the complete and speedy for Ashlema for Yaakov Ben Sarah. So, my friends, let us begin. We know that there are three miracles that the Jewish people uh, enjoyed during the time when they were in the Midbar, in the desert. And these were not miracles that happened here or there, they were miracles that happened consistently on a daily basis. You can understand as well that those miracles that were happening in the desert consistently created a sense of emunah in the people that was very strong. Imagine as an example, you don't have a miracle happening once in a while, once in a lifetime. Imagine every morning, you woke up in the morning, you know, you wash the tilat yadayim, you put on your tzitzit, as soon as you put on your tzitzit, you stretch your hand out, and your pants came flying into your hand. Can't believe it, you stretch your other hand out, your shirt comes... You take off your tzitzit, it doesn't work. You put your tzitzit back on, boom, your glasses, your phone. Could you imagine? Right? A person at that point would have no free will whatsoever. You'd be able to see that there's an instantaneous response that your mitzvot are creating an instantaneous reward. And the Chachamim explained that that's one of the reasons why we don't live with miracles like the Jewish people did in the desert. Because having miracles be present on a daily basis would rob a person of the reward and punishment that would be there in a person's life because he was employing his free will. Is that clear? So therefore, if the purpose of the world is to allow a person like Ariel to get up in the morning and say, you know something, does it pay to be honest? Does it pay to have integrity at work? You know, on the one hand, I win a little bit more if I fudge the numbers. On the other hand, you know, is it the right thing to do? Imagine every time you fudged the numbers, the whole deal fell apart. Every time you were honest, the deal went through. 100% certainty. Well, would you ever, would you ever be dishonest? No. But not because it was the right thing to do. You would be honest because that's the only thing that works. So it would not come from a decision that you're making in order to do the right thing. It would come from some sort of ulterior motive. What God wants from us is to be able to choose to do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because of an instantaneously seen reward and punishment. Why do we then have reward in the world to come? The answer is because so long as the reward is at a later stage or it's not immediately evident or it comes to me later on in my lifetime, so I can't draw that direct parallel and see that in a clear way. That's one of the reasons why we do not experience miracles on a daily basis. But if that's the case, why did they experience them on a daily basis in the desert? Surely you have the same argument in the Midbar. And the answer is actually a fascinating answer. Fascinating. What was God doing when He took the Jewish people through the desert into Eretz Israel? So one understanding is on the surface level, the Jewish people were supposed to go into Israel. They did some sort of sin that delayed their trip. They did another sin, they delayed their trip more. Until the point came where it took them 40 years to get to the land of Israel. Hazaku Baruch. Okay? And since that time, allow flights have been... No, okay, fine. <laughs> my, my friends, 
Yeah, so that's, that's a simple understanding of the idea. However, there's something else over here that, that maybe there's a little bit of a deeper understanding. What God was doing with the Jewish people in the desert was not only having them move from Egypt to Israel using a route that kind of kept getting longer, but rather what God was doing was fashioning and molding the Jewish people who grew up with an absolute, with an undeniable knowledge of God's power. Let me explain. Let me explain. There's two ways a person can educate a child. Okay? They say carrot or the stick. Right? You take a, a carrot, you kind of lead the donkey along, or you hit the donkey, you make him go the right way. Reward or punishment. Those are two different ways. Now, I want you to imagine as an example, you have a kid comes to shul, the rabbi gives the kid a lollipop. That's to keep, to make the attendance in synagogue sweet. Right? Now, at a certain point, the person grows out of that lollipop. And then they keep coming for a reason disconnected to that candy or whatever the case might be, or that reward. But sometimes using something, employing a method in the beginning of something, allows for that thing to continue later on, even without that reward. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu was making the Jewish people into a nation that would keep the Torah in the desert, he employed methods that he would never use ever again. But in the beginning, in the inception, in the childhood of that nation, it was important to be able to plant deep roots of faith. So what was happening in the desert is that Hashem was making sure that my, my, my great, 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 great grandfather was so certain that Hashem existed, was so certain that God ruled the world, that today, Shlomo Farhi, three and a half thousand years later, the son of 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 that man is now sure that if I do the right thing, Hashem will take care of me. Is that understood? So what God was doing was creating an emunah that would last generations. And therefore God broke the laws of nature, not just here and there, but on an absolutely regular basis. Let's understand what these three things are. Before we do, we have a question. I don't know if it's stronger. It's they're two different. One is in the, with regards to their mental state. One is with regards to their spiritual state. I would argue that those two things are actually the same thing. True emunah is what releases a person from the slavery of the mentality of this world. A person without emunah can't get out of the mentality of the rat race of this world. If you have no emunah in God, you have to throw in everything because it's really only up to you. So that rat race mentality, that, you know, that, that idea that you can get completely wrapped up in, it, you don't have another option if there's no one else pulling for you. Okay, so I would say that they're maybe the same thing. But listen to this because I think that this is, this is powerful. There are three different miracles that are happening on the daily for the Jewish people in, in the Midbar. And what are the three, uh, three miracles? Three miracles are the Ananea Kavod, the clouds of glory. So they're being, they're traveling in the desert with these clouds that are protecting them, a cloud cover, but on all four sides. I'm oh, sorry, on all four sides around them, a cloud cover above and a cloud cover below. So it's literally in six directions, north, east, south, west, up and down. These clouds protected them 
not only from things coming from the outside, but also from things coming from above, and also even from snakes and scorpions, whatever was coming from below. Okay? So that's the protection of the Ananei HaKavod. Now the halakha is, by the way, that we celebrate Sukkot, and we're supposed to remember that God took us in these Ananei HaKavod, you know, throughout the desert. The Gemara, there's a difference of opinion. One rabbi says that what we're supposed to remember is these clouds of glory. One rabbi says that we're supposed to remember that God prepared Sukkot Mamash, actual huts for us to be able to dwell in when we were in the desert. Be that as it may, there's three miracles that we experience. One is Ananei One is the manna that fell from heaven. So they're eating a manna, some sort of miracle food that's falling from the heavens. And when I say miracle food, sorry, just to be clear to all Instagram bloggers, right? Or whatever. I don't mean alfalfa, okay? I'm not talking about weed grass or uh, uh, acai berries. Miracle food actually means a miracle food. Okay, it was uh, a, a seed, like a seed-like thing that fell from the heavens, covered the floors of the desert. You know, that was the, the manna. It had a taste uh, initially of like a wafer dipped in, in, in honey, okay, like a honey-coated wafer, which again, sorry, because I'm Syrian, only thing I'm imagining is the Jewish people eating baklava every day, every day, every day, okay? However, the, the manna also had a miraculous aspect to it, that when a person was eating it, it could taste like any food in the world. So when I grew up, I always just I always try to imagine what that would be like. Imagine you take this item, you prepare it, they would grind it, they would they would use it as like a base. But once they would eat it, you could taste anything. So I always try to remember, like imagine I was like, okay, boom, roast beef sandwich. Okay, I have roast. You know, okay, pizza. You know, <laughs> what a cheeseburger, big sheila. What would happen if they imagined the food that was not kosher? Would the manna give them the taste? of a non-kosher food. Fascinating, okay? However, again, like I said, be that as it may, the nature of the matter was a miraculous food. The nature of the Ananea Kavod was miraculous protection. And the final miracle that traveled with them every day, that planted in them an eternal emunah, was what? The Be'er Miriam, which was the well of Miriam. They're in the desert, they don't have water. Where are they getting water from? There's a source of water that moves along with the Jewish people. So everywhere they were in the desert, they were able to dig into this. They were able to reach into this well of Miriam and draw water for the people to be able to drink. So these are the three miracles that take place all the time. Now remember, what did I tell you earlier? Why are we having these daily miracles in the desert, even though that's usually not God's way? God normally doesn't interfere with the normal and natural running of the world more than he has to. Any unnecessary miracles, God does not want to do. Because as we said earlier, miracles mess with a person's free will. So why is God doing these miracles? On the daily, we answered, because it was about planting an emunah in the Jewish people that would last much longer than they did. The Pasuk says, Ko amar Hashem, so says God, lach chesed I remember the kindness of your youth. Right? Ahavat kilulotayich. The love that you had when we were first wed, when we first got married. To follow me into a desert, in a land that was not planted. The Jewish people walked after God, not knowing where their next meal was going to be. Not knowing if there'd be water in the desert. That illustrated a tremendous faith. But what God wanted to do was lock that faith in. To have uh, a generational DNA 
uh, there's this idea that you have something, sorry? Epigenetics is the, is the uh, clinical term. Nathan has shared a beautiful article with me where there are things and situations that go in, that happen in a person's uh, lifetime, which are so, they're so traumatic, they run so deep that they don't only affect that person, they actually start to affect their future generations. Repeat that trauma or that experience again and again and again over a few generations, and it now becomes part of the DNA of the, of the grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Fascinating studies done on that. Like as an example, you know, used to be that you saw a cop, you felt safe. But for some minorities, you see a cop, what, what do you feel? Nervous. Cop's job is supposed to be to protect you. Why do you feel nervous when you see a cop? The answer is because for Jews, anyone in a uniform from any nationality, we have very bad experiences historically with people in uniform, with being banished from countries, from governments, being unfairly imprisoned. or, or uh, So that's an experience that eventually translates itself in you know generation to generation, and then it becomes baked in. So what God was doing was baking that in. And in order to do that, he had to show this miraculous control over me. Now, of the three miracles, which of the three miracles would you say uh, constituted the greatest breaking of, of nature? Or which of the three would you say accomplished this goal more than any of the other two? The answer is, Why do you say man? Okay, so you need to eat. You need, they're all basic human needs. Shelter, food, and water. All basic human needs. What's the difference? The water happened, it was necessary when you were thirsty. The manna happened, you needed it when you ate. But there was never a time that they were without the Ananiah Kavod. Ever. So that means that you could have someone who's born in the desert, lives for 40 years in the desert, doesn't even know an existence that doesn't have the Ananiah Kavod until they get to the land of Israel. He grew up in that. So the if the idea of what we were doing was having something be there on a constant basis, the thing, the miracle of these three that was the most constant was the rabbis tell us that each one of these three things came from in the merit of one of the great tzaddikim. The manna fell in the merit of Moshe Rabbeinu. The well came in the merit of Miriam and Neviah. And the Ananeha Kavod came in the merit of Arona Kohen. Can I share something with you? Unbelievable. Yes? Ready for this, guys? What's fascinating is that the miracles represent, on some level, the people who merited them. Moshe's greatest achievement, what was it? It was bringing the Torah from heaven to earth. There have been redeemers before. And there were going to be redeemers after that. There will be people that did great things for their people. But Moshe was the only human being ever to bring Torah from the heavens and bring it to the earth. What's interesting is that the Torah is compared to lechem, to bread. It will be in the end of days, lechem. 
there won't be a, there'll be a hunger, a great hunger, not a hunger for bread, not a thirst for water, but rather to hear the word of God. Okay? So the Torah sustains us. The miracle of the manna came top down, heaven to earth. The miracle of the be'er, of the well, comes from below, bottom up. And the miracle of the Ananea Kavod is side to side, is surrounded. So it's not up, down, down, up. But what's fascinating is, as I said, each one represents the Sadiq that it came in merit of. Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah from heaven to earth. That's the manna, the sustenance, the spiritual and heavenly sustenance brought to man from the heavens. Aharon HaKohen. What was Aharon HaKohen's greatest achievement? The Mishnah says, you should be from the students of Aharon HaKohen. Learn from him. Who was Aharon HaKohen? Rodev Shalom. Rodev Shalom. Rodev the Periyot. Mekarvan the Torah. Abraham, uh, sorry, Aharon's greatest achievement was in his ability to be able to bring people together. That's a side to side. Not only that, the process that Aharon used, what was the process Aharon used? The Gemara, uh, the, the, the uh, Chachamim tells us an amazing, uh, amazing idea about Aharon. And we learned this idea that a person is allowed to be Mishanim Mipne Hashalom. Which means that in a scenario where it promotes the peace, a person is allowed to be mishane. They're allowed to like fudge the facts a little. And how did he fudge the facts? Gemara tells us that Aaron would see a husband and wife that were fighting, or two friends that were fighting. He'd go up to one and tell the person, you don't know, I just met the other guy. The other guy, forget about it. He's losing his mind. He can't believe he threw away such an important friendship for something so silly. He really wants to apologize to you. He wants to make up. He misses you. He loves you. The only thing is, it's very hard for him to make the first move. He's embarrassed. Why don't you go to him and make the first move? Then he would go to the other guy. <laughs> Tell him the same thing. Go to the husband, about the wife. Go to the wife, about the husband. And through this, Aharon would encourage each one of them to take that first step towards each other. And that would reconcile these marriages. In fact, the Gemara tells us that when these couples would would uh, reconnect and get back together and they'd have a child, they would name their child Aharon after Aharon HaKohen because he was the reason they came back together. So much so that there are tens of thousands of Aharon of Aharons who attend Aharon's funeral because they exist only because of his peacemaking efforts. What was Aharon's trick? Aaron's trick was someone who felt like I shouldn't be the one to apologize. I shouldn't make the first move. You see, Moshe's was top down and Miriam's was bottom up. But the power of what Aaron was offering was to eliminate the concept of up and down. That you're here and they're there. Or you're there and they're there. Rather to be able to bring people together on a static level. And that's why it's the Ananea Kavod that Aharon created. He created a space, a protective space, a safe space. That's what Aharon created. So therefore, the reward that he receives is Ananea Kavod because that's what he made. My friends, I want to share with you a fascinating insight from uh, uh, the Rabbi Yisrael from Rijin. Uh, unbelievable. He says as follows. Why was it or what was it that created this Ananea Kavod? I was blown away. 
he says that when everyone when everyone got together uh, when everyone got together so you had people gathering together families came back together friends came back together you had uh, not just this family and that family but the extended families are now eating together you had tribes that were fighting with one another Aaron made peace everyone gathered together I don't know if you've ever experienced this I'll never forget I was a young man in Jerusalem and I went to the what's called Hakafot Shniot you know what that is? at the end of what's it called? at the end of Simchat Torah so for us we have two days but in Israel they only keep one day of Yom Tov so Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah same day it's a bit of a trip if you're someone who grew up with them being two different things but same day okay what happens Motzei Yom Tov so for them holiday's over everyone's got their phones everyone's driving cars but for all the people that live in Chutz Laaretz, even if you're in Israel at the time, you have to keep two days. So we would go on Yom Tov to this yeshiva, Avat Shalom, Cham Yaakov Hillel, and they have a full band, and they're playing music, and it's all the whole night long. They sing these long songs, but it's, imagine, I don't know if you could ever imagine, sardines, you're packed in there, you can barely get in. You walk in the room, your glasses fog up. Okay, it's unbelievable. But what I've never experienced before in my life was I, I just had to get some fresh air. So I fought my way through the crowd that I was in the mi- middle of, and there was a stairwell, and the stairwell went upstairs, and there was a porch out, outdoors where you could get some air. I went out into the porch, just so you understand how many people, hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, singing and dancing together. I went outside on the porch, and I'm sitting on the porch, and I'm breathing, and then I all of a sudden notice something's dropped, like there's a drop of rain. I was like, I can't believe it's raining. The amount of sweat of the people downstairs okay in that room was rising up the stairwell you could feel hot air coming out of this what's it called and the top of the door and the sides of the walls were wet with perspiration of hundreds and hundreds of people there's never been anything so gross as recognizing what that kind of hot air was and what had just dripped on me I'm okay with my own sweat but I don't know how your sweat on me, you know what I mean? Okay? I never... Says the Rizhina Rebbe something unbelievable. He says, you know what the Ananiah Kavod were? When all of Am Yisrael gathered together in the desert, it's hot. They all gathered together, everyone's there. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of edim, a lot of sweat. That created Ananiah Kavod. Right around them. I thought that was very interesting. Right? The minute they pulled apart, there was more air, there was you know, more circulation. But the Ananea Kavod, he says, came from the fact that the Jewish people were close together, singing, dancing together. So their Shalom created Ananea Kavod. Now, I'm not sure how serious he is about this idea. Because I don't know if I would consider those, those Ananea Kavod such a positive thing. Right? You know? But I think what he's communicating on a physical level is something which is a really powerful idea on a spiritual, on a spiritual level. That the Ananea Kavod this protection that Am Yisrael experienced, that's what it provided, provided protection from every angle. The Gemara tells us that in the generation of Achav, who was a wicked king, who encouraged the people to go worship idols. In the generation of Achav, the Jewish people worshipped idols. And yet when they would go out to war, no one would die. And the Gemara says why. Why? Gadol HaShalom. The power of peace is so strong that it acts as a protective barrier that no soldier would die in battle, even though they were Rishayim and everything else. 
But the fact that they were together served as a protection. Shalom serves as a protection. So Aharon HaKohen, who was the master of Shalom, created Shalom amongst the people to the point that they were constantly enveloped in Ananea Kavod, in something that protected them from every angle. My friends, I just want to go, and I'll end with this, to something practical. You know what that means? That means when a person feels vulnerable to attack, when a person feels like they're not protected in a business situation, in a family situation, recognize that Shalom is a great protector from vulnerabilities. Seek, try, attempt to be able to create a peaceful atmosphere and environment. And that Shalom acts actually as Ananea Kavod. That's what we're learning over here from the fact that Aharon uh, comes with that idea. Therefore, it's no surprise, as we said yesterday, that the Sukkah, which represents Ananea Kavod, is the Sukkah holiday where we take all of the four species, worst guy in the community, best guy in the community, and hold them together. Because the protection of that sukkah comes when Am Yisrael is together. The value of peace cannot be overstated. It cannot be overstated. It is so important. There's nothing that brings bracha more than that. That's why the last word of Birkat Kohanim. Remember, this blessing of the Kohanim is supposed to encompass all the blessings God wants to give the Jewish people. Everything is in Birkat Kohanim. And the last word of Birkat Kohanim is V'yasem Lecha Shalom. Because there's nothing that holds those blessings together other than peace. En kli machzik bracha ela shalom. There's no vessel that holds a blessing other than peace. If you do not have peace, understand, you're going out and getting all these blessings and Hashem is raining down the most beautiful things on you and you're sitting there and your fingers are open and it's just falling right through your fingers because you don't have a vessel to hold blessing. You have a guy who's getting investment in his firm. He's getting clients. He's got the projects. He's got the buildings. But somehow, with all the opportunity, it doesn't go. Ask yourself, is there somewhere in my life that there's a lack of shalom? Because it looks like I'm being blessed. I just can't seem to hold on to it. And keli... Marzik Beracha, Ela Shalom. Baruch Hashem Le'olam.